It is a privilege to be here um, to speak God's word to you and to share what's been on my heart since John told me he wasn't going to be here yesterday, he told me. So I, <laughs> so I got a lot of things in my heart. <laughs> but what was really cool is that I had read a devotional earlier this week before John had said, hey, maybe we need somebody to fill in. Brett, do you have your back pocket sermon ready? Well, John, I already used that back pocket sermon. <laughs> um, so there was a devotional that I had that just inspired some thoughts today that I want to be sharing with you uh, throughout today's message. Um, so we're not talking about the royal priesthood, but we will be talking about aliens and strangers, and not UFOs, but aliens and strangers, and our role in the earth, but not being of it. So let me pray as we get started. Heavenly Father, you're here in our midst, and I just pray that you would speak and share through me that what you've given me is not of me, but it's through me, and it's to these people who have come here to, to hear your word today, Father. May we shed light on your word, uh, just as we look forward to that change of day, too, when there is light. We long for the light, and today we long for you to shed light on, on your word today. In your name, amen. Qui comprend le français? Qui comprend le français? Ah, oui, un peu, un peu. Y'a algunos aquí que hablan español? Algunos aquí que hablan español. Ya, sí, yo sé, bueno. Verspreak Deutsch, Verspreak Deutsch. Ya, oh, ya, ya, ah, good, wow. Okay. <laughs> so I know a lot of you probably speak Swedish if you grew up in the Covenant Church, right? I, I'm sorry, I didn't throw that at you today. But I know a lot of you are world travelers. You've been across countries, across continents, and you've probably been in places where you didn't know what was going on. And you didn't have those phrases or those words to say, how do I get to the hotel? Where's the bathroom? Where am I? Those kinds of things. So you've probably had that experience. Or maybe you, if you haven't traveled the world, maybe you've been to Stockton or Modesto <laughs> at night. How'd you feel? Perhaps out of place, perhaps lost, perhaps in danger a little bit. And no offense to anybody that comes from Stockton or Modesto, but I know I found myself traveling to those places before too. And it's a little uncomforting when you can't see road signs and when you're in the dark. I like to think of myself as culturally and linguistically um, competent, at least, a proficient in, a, in at least two languages, my own and Spanish. Um, and then I can fake a few others. But um, you put me in a non-English or non-Latin-based language, and I feel a little lost. I, I have to struggle to really get through. So, although I may choose to be in a place where another language is spoken or where the culture is so different, I may still feel out of place. Let me give you an example. Jimlene loves this one. Yeah, she already knows. <laughs> a long time ago, we went on a cruise. Um, this is just one of those. Maybe this is not the one you're thinking of. But this is one of those where we were on a cruise, and cruise ships go to islands. When you park at an island, you can't just stay on the cruise ship. You've got to get off and explore. I think Jimlene was tired that day. She wanted to rest and stay on the ship. She probably laid by the pool and had drinks and all that, right? No, 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 no. That's not what happened. But what happened for me is that I said, I'm going to go explore the island. And it was a French-speaking island. And I wandered around the island, kind of, kind of hugging the shoreline, although I had to go into the city a little bit to follow the shoreline. But I could keep my eye on the ship and see where the ship was. But I was in this area that was starting to get industrial and less touristy. And I was like, wow, this ship's a long ways out there now at this point because I like to walk, and I just kind of walk. Um, I just keep walking. Um, and that's what I did that day. And as I'm looking around, I, I feel the presence of a vehicle pulling up beside me. 
And I kind of look out of the corner of my eye not to make eye contact, and it's this big, dark sedan. And I'm like, well, maybe these people can help me. <laughs> um, and I hear, I hear a phrase I don't recognize, but it was, I knew they were talking to me. I hear this, pardon, excusez-moi, something like that. I'm, I kind of glance over, and I see two older ladies in the front seat of the car. And I'm kind of looking in the back seat, like, back there, okay, you know, and I step away from the car just a little bit, trying to just be a little bit careful, and they're saying stuff to me that I don't understand, they're speaking French, I understand the, I understood the greeting, okay, but now what, what are they saying to me now as I maintain my distance, and eventually I discovered that they're trying to tell me, hey, you dumb tourist, you're in a bad area of town, what are you doing by yourself, so there's a little intuition they had to go into that, it wasn't direct interpretation, and I tried to explain to them, I am from the, 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 the barco, no, that's Spanish, um, the big ship, the ship. I'm from the le bateau. I don't know where that came from, but the word for boat came to my mind in French. I never took French. But it came to mind, and they go, eh, le bateau. And they motioned for me to get in the car and go with them. So this was pre-cell phone, at least in our family, pre-cell phone, and I, I couldn't call probably from the island to the ship to Jim Lane to let her know where I was or what was going on. But I knew that my only way back to the island, or back to the dock where the ship was, was to either run or to get in the car with these two older ladies. I trusted the two older ladies, and they delivered me to the dock, and I said, merci, and they said other stuff to me that I didn't understand, and they safely got me back to the ship. Then I hesitated to tell Jim Lane about what I had just done. <laughs> in another situation, though, where the words weren't coming to me, my younger sister, not Trisha, sorry, I'm not talking about you today, Trisha, and I know she's downstairs. Talk about Lisa, and I had the chance to go to Berlin and travel in Berlin by foot and with backpack, and it was wonderful, it was great. And so again, <clears throat> much to my sister's dismay, I am the wanderer, I love to walk around. We walked around um, at nighttime, we left our hotel, walked through the city, a lot of tall buildings and all that, so we got far away from our city, we went up this block, down that block, up this block, around that block again, and we were just being tourists. But pretty soon it was like, I wonder where we are. <laughs> um, we're in Berlin, <laughs> but where did our hotel go? Where's our hotel? So we see two police officers, German police officers, and we're like, huh, everybody in Europe speaks English. Hey, can you guys tell us where the hotel is? The hotel, whatever the name of it was, I forget. It was, I tried to put it on my memory. Um, but anyway, can you tell us where the hotel is? And no response. So I'm like, huh, German. I, uh, hotel? I don't know. I, I couldn't quite do it. So I said, hablo en español. And they're like, oh, sí, hablamos español. And I'm like, oh, great. ¿Dónde está el hotel? And what, whatever hotel it was, I asked him by name. Oh, that's right down there. And then you go this way, and then you go that way, and you go that way. And my sister and I went this way, and that way, and that way, and there was no hotel. So they're being very polite, trying to help, and I made a connection, but it didn't get me to my destination that time. We ended up finding it on, on our own by wandering some more. But... Today I want to talk a little bit about the darkness that we wander through, the dirt that we get on our feet while we're going through it, and then the destination, the final, final destination. So let's shed some light on darkness, first of all. In the book of Peter, we're called aliens and strangers. 1 Peter 2.12 says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which wage war with your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that although they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds in the light 
and glorify God on the day that he visits us. So Peter's reference to us as aliens and strangers simply means that we're mere visitors, sojourners, if you will. Some translations say exiles, that we're exiles passing through this world. And then even though we're just passing through, we're still responsible to be respectable citizens, of course, wherever we're passing through, as I tried to do in Europe. But wherever we go, we're to be those respectable citizens. In fact, we are to be model citizens for those who may not know Christ. And for those who do know Christ, we're to be model citizens. Such that the world sees our good deeds and our light, thus glorifying God. We're to go where he shines and makes the way bright for us. We're also to heed the laws of the land, too. When in Germany, when in France, when in Mexico, to heed those laws. Unless, of course, there are unjust laws that violate the revealed will of God, what we know God has asked us to do, then at that point we're to obey God only, although we may suffer fines, persecution. If you've ever gotten pulled over in Mexico, not that I have, um, but if you've ever gotten pulled over in Mexico, I wasn't driving anyway, um, you know what it's like to be subject to subjective law. Because at that point... uh, a foreigner may be taken advantage of. At least that's how it was in the old days. I don't know how it is now. I haven't tried this recently. But I was in a youth van uh, on a mission uh, in the Mexicali area, and somebody else was driving that time, but I was their interpreter, and I would trade off driving, but somebody else was driving. So I was in the back seat, sipping on a root beer, having some lunch, and apparently we'd passed a police officer who noticed some guy sitting in the back of a church van with a brown bottle drinking in the back of the van. That was enough cause to pull us over and to begin asking questions. And those questions didn't result in us paying him there on the spot and getting out of it. Um, That wasn't working. Um, He insisted that we follow him to the police station. So I remember the youth pastor, the driver, and I were standing in this police station. We weren't arrested or anything, but we were in the police station office and trying to negotiate and trying to show that this bottle only had root beer in it, and I was just having lunch in the back of the van. Well, it took some negotiation, and then at that point, there was some cash exchanged, <clears throat> not mine, and we got out of the situation, and we're back on the way to our destination. But it's just another example of us as visitors on this earth. We're often in darkness or in situations that are dangerous or that we're vulnerable to, But we have to be culturally and spiritually competent in regard to showing respect, treating each other as more important than ourselves, and being humble. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind let each of you regard one another as more important than yourself. Culturally, in other countries, church body, here corporately, in the church body as well. So as we temporarily inhabit and roam the earth as God's ambassadors, we're to be light in the darkness, to love and to serve others, whether they be fellow aliens and strangers or whether they be unbelievers that are walking in the dark. We need to shine the light of God upon them. Okay, I promised we'd talk about dirt. So here's the dirt on sin. We've been cleansed, all right? In the process of being visitors, aliens and strangers, we walk around and get our feet dirty. If you ever wear sandals or flip-flops or go barefoot in Arnold or anywhere near here, by the end of the day, you're going to have black heels, right? You're going to be impaled by pine needles or pine cones, right? Or you're going to have red dirt between your toes. It's just the way things happen. It's our environment. 
That's how our environment, our physical environment here impacts us. Walking in the world, we're exposed to the elements, the imperfections, the dirt that we must either shake off or wash from our feet. You'll recall that in the armor of God described in Ephesians 6.15, the feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace that, that we take to the world. And the peace message is meant to be portable. Back in the day, there weren't cars, there's no Uber, there weren't buses, there weren't even bicycles. They would walk with the word of peace, the word of God. And that's what we're to do. We're to shod our feet with shoes that will be suitable for that journey. But along the way, we get dirt in our shoes, we get gravel between our, between our toes and our sandals, and we must shake it off before we go on. For the Jews, to shake off the dust from one's feet after being in the presence of someone that rejected your message or rejected you personally, that was symbolic of saying, okay, I disclaim any responsibility for your fate. You've, you've not accepted me or my message. You've not received me into your household. I'm shaking off the dust. And it was almost like an insult. And you walk away. But you, can turn, you continue with your message. And that's what we do sometimes. We're walking in the, in the light in a dark world and sometimes we come across non-receptive folks, non-receptive groups of people, but we continue. We shake that dust off, we cleanse ourselves, and we continue to move on in our journey of faith. The symbolic practice, as you know, too, is foot washing. Um, it's the actual washing of another's feet. It was an act of service demonstrating ultimate humility or forgiveness that also resulted in cleansing of the recipient's feet. In John 13, there's an account of foot washing where Jesus comes to wash the disciples' feet. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And he Christ said, and my, my chariot and my, my dog and my... Knowing Peter, he wanted everything washed at that point. But Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is already clean. But it's those feet that have touched the ground, that have been on the earth, in the world, in the darkness. And you were clean, though not every one of you. Those who have had a bath, who have been cleansed by Christ, that is, need only to wash their feet, the body part that comes in contact with the dirt of the world with the darkness of the world, and then their whole body is clean. Sure, something that happened recently, this was not out of town, this was in town, it wasn't across the, the globe, it was in town. Recently, because I work in schools, there's a lot of negative associations with schools and what schools and institutions and government and all that is doing right now, and we're not going to get big time into that, but it, for the sake of this example, I had someone challenge me and kind of lump me into that category of, oh, you're bad, you work in the schools, you're doing this to our children. Ugh, hated that. But my response was to her, no, I am in the world, but not of it. My point being is that I've been placed, I've been assigned to a school institution, a human, fallible institution, to be light. I haven't joined it, I'm not of the system, I'm of God, but I'm within it to be light in it. And so... I'm just a visitor passing through, but a visitor who is charged with a responsibility to live, in such, live such a good life among the world that although they accuse me of doing wrong or being something I'm not, they might see my good deeds and glorify God. That's me paraphrasing First Peter that I read earlier. 
And John 15, 19 says this. It, it affirms that we'll have these, these contentions. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you, therefore the world hates you. My feet may get dirty or, or dusty from walking in the world and being in the world, but because Christ has cleansed me, I'm not of the world. I'm here, but I'm not of it. And in this case of the other person seeing me as being part of the world or the world system, I needed to make clear to her that, yeah, my work has me in the world of this kind of work, but I'm not of it. And my purpose is to shine light and to bear and to do good deeds that people will see that will glorify God in the outcome. Let's talk about our destination. Okay? Things to know before you go, as they would say on the travel guide. Okay. Well, we know where we're going as Christians. But some things to consider while we're here on earth. That doesn't mean we just pack our suitcase right now and get our ticket and like, okay, let's go tomorrow. No, we're here for a while. We've got some things to do in the dirt and in the darkness before we get to our destination. Our time on earth as aliens and strangers is not the whole story. God's story, his plan for the world, his plan for us here as visitors is continually unfolding. It's continually changing. It's maybe not even going according to the chapters that we thought would play out or how they would play out in our lives. But his story is continually unfolding, and we're continually characters in that, um, characters to serve his purpose. And we as Christ's followers are given temporary charge as God's ambassadors, his personal representatives of light, to be his messengers, to seek and to grow his kingdom here on earth. With these charges also comes responsibility, though, and accountability. According to Scripture, there will be a judgment day when we have to give an account of our stewardship. So I think we have like 8 billion people in the world right now. I don't know. The numbers change and fluctuate, of course, with recent things. It could be way, way off. But 8 billion people, somewhere in that range. With that many people in the world, it's easy to forget that every person matters in God's story. We see forgotten people groups. We see forgotten peoples. We see children that are neglected. But every person matters in that story, that neglected child, that orphan, that far-off country, that country at war, that country creating war. Um, Everybody in those systems, in those world systems, matters. Even though our presence in this world is temporary, our authentic showing up, presenting ourselves, coming, responding, is crucial. God said to Jeremiah, Before you were born, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart with a designated purpose. That's true of us today. God has set us apart. You're specially designed with a purpose in this world. While your ultimate destination is out of this world. We may not be able to see beyond our current circumstances of how our lives play out or are playing out in, in his story, in God's story. But it, as Christ followers, our most important tasks involve doing things that lead to the growth in our relationship with Christ and that lead others to see the glory of Christ and the light of Christ and to have hope in him. So here on earth, we may have settled into a nice house, right? But we haven't made this world our permanent home. It's kind of like having a post office box, which you can get almost in any small town, right? You have this place that you identify with. Okay, I got a post office box. That's where I get and do transactions and get correspondence and all that. But you don't necessarily have to live in that town. You may live somewhere else. So we go about our earthly lives and conduct business here, but our true citizenship, as we know as believers, is in heaven, where, by the way, there are no lost Amazon packages. <clears throat> Here's the amazing truth, and it was on the screen in one of the songs that was done by the worship group. The amazing truth is that God didn't want heaven 
without us. Sing it. No. <clears throat> so true. He didn't want to be there alone. It wasn't designed that way. It was designed to accommodate us as aliens and strangers here on this earth traveling to that final destination. But meanwhile, while we walk in this world and around in darkness, we get our feet dirty. Even if we've bathed and been cleansed by him, our feet will still get dirty in this world because that's the nature of this world. But in him, all our stains are washed away. That was another song. We only need our feet symbolically washed of dirt in this world, shod with the gospel of peace. And we know that our final destination is in heaven with him. So questions. What are we really doing amid this darkness, this dirt, with full line of sight to our destination? How does this being cleansed, being in the world but not of it, play out and show up in real life, where I work, where you work, where your kids go to school? How does it really play out as we walk in this world but are not of it? God says, be holy because I am holy. Holy is translated as hagios in the Greek, meaning set apart, sacred and different. If we're truly hagios, set apart, that will show up as light in the world. We'll be like these candles in a dark room. It makes the darkness disappear. We'll look different than those living in darkness. We'll be strangers. Some of us may even be strange, right? But God has asked us to be that peculiar people that draws people to him, to be the light unto the world and let them see who we are and who he is and who we have in him. In this world, are we just trying to fit in, be a part of something, join a club or join a group, or to simply fly under the radar quietly and not realize our significance, making as few waves as possible along the way? Or are we getting our feet dirty, shining light on God's peace and demonstrating that our citizenship is in heaven? Hopefully it's the latter. One caveat in walking out our faith in the light, we don't want to be so heavenly-minded that we're no earthly good. And Oliver Wendell Holmes said that. We don't want to be so heavenly-minded that we're of no earthly good. We need to be doing and acting and speaking and demonstrating. But a heavenly perspective puts on notice all of our worries. It says to our worries, our concerns and fears, you have no place in this man's or this woman's faith. You have no belonging here in the light of Christ. Even if those worries are about world situations or if there are personal things going on, all those things are temporary of this world while we're in it, but we'll all be gone when we get to our destination. John 17, Jesus speaking to the Father says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them in the world, and keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them, us, into the world. So as Christians, we realize we're just passing through. Everything we do, accomplish, accumulate in this life is wood, hay, stubble, all those things that will be consumed unless they're for the glory of God. The time is short. And Jesus said he's coming back soon. Soon is relative, of course, as we know. But Jesus said he's coming back. We do know that much. And he's coming back to take us to his destination, heaven. We need to be in this world in the meantime 
making a difference and touching broken people wherever our day may take us. Wherever the rest of today takes you, tomorrow, be that light to someone else who doesn't have that light yet. We're strangers and aliens, set apart, hayos, each and every day with our sole purpose of bringing glory to God and telling and showing everyone there's new life and hope in Jesus. It's the Lord Jesus living inside all of us through the person of the Holy Spirit that differentiates us from this dark world. That's what makes us shine in the dark world. Just to kind of recap some of the main ideas, we're just passing through, but with the charge that we let the world see our light and our good deeds. In passing through, we'll get dirty, our feet will get dirty, but the rest of us is already clean. And finally, we're set apart. We're to stand out here on earth, but we know our real home, our real destination is in heaven. Be in the world, but not of it. Don't be dismayed about your role or your lot or your current circumstances right now because they're just temporary and maybe they're being used to glorify God. It's hard to see that sometimes, hard to see that. But maybe that's what it's all about. Let your light shine among the world so that people will praise God as a result of your life. Be a neon light that says, here's the hope that we have as aliens and strangers.